1: Brought to you by EP Wealth, this is the Rob Black Show.
0: So we're a few days out from the big event coming up that we haven't done in a long time. The Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar. It's going to be in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge, talking about taxes and retirement, talking about investing in a period of higher inflation, social security strategies, retirement products, managing IRAs and much, much more. You can sign up for the event at chadburton.com, chadburton.com. Use the code social25 or event25 to waive the fees. Join me today, CFP Chad Burton, to talk a little bit about income in retirement and the best ways to withdraw from your retirement accounts, because it does matter. How are you, Chad? I'm doing well. How
2: about you, Rob? Good.
0: Good. You're with EP Wealth, you're a regional director and a CFP. You're gonna be presenting with me on the seventeenth, six thirty to eight thirty. Let's talk a little bit about retirement accounts. Give me an idea of of what type of retirement accounts people will likely have and why is it important to know how to withdraw? Why not just take a big chunk and put it in your bank account?
2: Right. Well, the you know, it's Interesting is that a lot of people that are retiring kind of have two major assets, right? Their home, which is not really a, it, it's more of a liability unless you're going to model selling it downsizing and having some cash left over. Um, and then their 401k and well, one of the reasons why you can't take a large withdrawal right away out of your 401k and they're just stuck in your bank account is because of the taxation when you, when you do a withdrawal. So when, tax planning and and distribution planning become really important and how it can really optimize your retirement and keep your tax fees really, really low for a long period of time is when you have tax diversification. So you go into retirement, you've got cash in the bank, you've got your 401k that hasn't been taxed yet, maybe some IRAs that haven't been taxed yet that are growing tax deferred. Hopefully you have some Roth money that's growing tax free forever. And hopefully you have some assets outside of retirement accounts, just normal brokerage accounts where it's, you know, not an IRA, not a Roth, not a 403B, anything like that. It's just an account at Schwab, Fidelity TD, something like that, where you've invested in stocks and mutual funds and ETFs. And when you sell those, you pay capital gains and you can, if you, if you blend your income or stagger it out of various accounts, you can keep your tax bill Pretty low in retirement, Rob. Under these under current tax regulations,
0: and the idea here is just to pay as little in taxes as possible because you're trying to keep as much of it on your side of the sheet versus giving it to the government. Or like sometimes when we're talking about mortgages, prepaying your mortgage, you're trying not to give cash to the bank by prepaying it. Um, is that the, the the simplest idea? Is you're just trying to keep more on your side of the fence?
2: That's exactly it. I mean, so when you're working, you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s. You're always trying to say, how can I pay the least amount of taxes this year? What can I do this year to keep my tax bracket really, really low? Um, Which is really hard to do in California, right? But the the, the mindset has to change in retirement because you're typically making that nest egg last from age 65 to 100, right? So that could be 35 years these days. And so... You have to keep it lower for longer. You have to say, okay, what's going to happen throughout my lifetime? And one of the things that you look at is that starting at age 72, you have to start taking required minimum distributions out of your IRAs and 401ks and things like that. And so those required minimum distributions, every single dollar that you pull out typically is taxable. So it affects your tax bracket. So people can go through retirement for the first several years paying very little taxes, And then all of a sudden, they take their required minimum distributions and their tax bracket jumps really, really high. And a lot of times, what kind of the default strategy is with most advisors out there is, well, put off those withdrawals from your 401ks and your IRAs for as long as possible because they're growing tax deferred. Well, that's fine. But most people then will blow through all of their non-retirement assets. And then they get to age 72 and they start taking their income out of their retirement accounts. But what happens when you need to do that remodel? What happens when you need to you know, put a new roof on the house or a new patio or something and you need $50,000, dollars $100,000 to do something? Well, if you draw those large amounts out of a, a 401k or an IRA, you're going to have to almost draw twice as much out so that after taxes, you have enough to pay for that project. And I think that's what a lot of people forget to think about as they go into retirement and figure out which accounts do I draw from first.
0: Yeah, so retirement isn't just sitting around and watching TV in the morning and trying to decide what you can do in the afternoon. You got to have a little bit of a budget going. You have to have a little bit of a plan for sure and Chad's going to be talking about that at the event in Palo Alto, plus much much more. Let's start with um maybe we can talk a little bit about yeah, how much do you need in retirement? Setting a budget realistically do people do a good job of that in your mind, Chad, or do they kind of mismanage it, not seeing big expenses come in?
2: Well, no, that, I mean, that's big expenses is one thing. I mean, because we can put into the plan and typically you're still going to need a car every seven to 10 years. You're going to need to, you know, eventual remodels. You got weddings, you got grandkid gifts, um, all those types of things that you can put in. But I think what a lot of people that especially can afford to live in an area like San Francisco or the Bay Area with the family, they... They know they, you know, might have money left over every month to invest, but they don't really, they don't have their budget nailed down, nor do they have their idea of what retirement looks like and what that's going to cost. So just somewhat almost before you can ever really fully nail that, down that budget, you almost have to practice, you know, take a more time okay. off before you retire, practice a little bit, take longer vacations. What's going to get me out of bed? How much is that going to cost? Because the kids are then gone, college is hopefully over, and your budget has to reset. And that takes some time. That's kind of a work in progress.
0: Man, that's working with us right now on radio. College will never be over, Chad. It'll never be over for some millennials as they're just trying to figure out what's the right degree. But we'll get into that a little bit later. And you know what's interesting? You talked about fixing like the kitchen. As I'm getting older, and we've all gone into homes with like really old kitchens, and you're like, man, who lived here? Um, uh, they never, up- I'm getting to the point where I don't want to update things. I'm getting to the point where I don't see the value in it. And I never thought I was going to be that person. And yet I'm turning into that person. I'm like, eh, the kitchen's as good as it's going to be. I don't need a new bathroom. I don't need anything new. Like, like, is that kind of interesting that, um, now I see why homes get outdated when people retire in them and live in them for 20, 30 years. Cause you don't want to spend that money. You don't think you need to spend that money.
2: Yeah, the the priorities change a little bit. And you're like, okay, well, once as you get closer to retirement and you're seeing your nest egg grow and eventually your paycheck needs to go away, you're like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more selective of where I put right. money now.
0: So how about delaying withdrawing from your 401k? Have you heard about some of the, the thoughts that people are having right now with, um, I think it's called a 401k bridge?
2: Well, yeah, and part of that is that people, I mean, like I said before, you you've got to have your portfolio look like You want it to look like five years prior to retirement, because if people are over invested in both stocks and bonds, since this has been the worst, basically the worst bond year that I, that, you know, in recent history. Um, So stocks and bonds dropped together in 2022. So if you didn't have enough cash on the sidelines, like I always preach, then you're potentially delaying your retirement or changing your strategy. Maybe that's, you know, work part time. Maybe that's actually take Social Security before 70 um uh, downsize your home earlier something otherwise you're probably going to be working a little bit longer
0: thanks very much we keep chat around for the whole hour we'll get into some more conversations about what the event is going to look like there is very limited space please sign up if you have five hundred thousand or 50 years or older heading towards retirement this event is for you if not you're going to be confused and kind of a little shell-shocked by the amount of information relevant or irrelevant to you. It's Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar, Thursday, November 17, 630 to 830 at the Elks Lodge in Palo Alto. You can sign up for the event under Chad Burton's website, chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. He also has a podcast, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Use code event25 to get in for free
1: looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times visit robblack.com robblack.com powered by ep wealth
0: i'm gonna be honest i'm getting a little bit nervous first event in a long 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 time coming up retirement income and tax planning seminar thursday november 17 6 30 to 8 30 i'll be there probably 5 30-ish and i'll probably stay until 9 30-ish I won't be signing swag, but I'll be sticking around, answering questions I can for you. CFP Chad Burton will be there as well, as well as a team of financial planners. If you have questions, please bring them. You can sign up for the event at chadburton.com. While you're there, you can listen to his podcast and focus on wealth with CFP Chad Burton available on all podcast locations. Chad, we were talking a little bit about income and retirement. As I'm getting closer, it's becoming much more of a real thing to me, to the point that I even admitted that I'm starting to fear big ticket items like new kitchens and kitchen remodels. And if we're gonna do it, let's do it right this time because we're starting to run out of time. Let's talk a little bit about social security. Social security is in the news this year because there's a big increase coming in the amount of benefits that you're getting. But still there's a lot of ideas with social security like delaying it till you're 70, making sure you get 35 working years put in and much, much more. What do we need to know about social security and income in retirement?
2: Yeah, there was a 8.7 percent cost of living increase announced in October. So that's the biggest Social Security increase since 1981. Uh, back then, cost of living increase hit 11.2 percent. Uh, so, you know, typically when you're you know, modeling your Social Security increase, oh, let's let's assume maybe, you know, one or two percent a year to be safe in financial modeling, so that you're not, you know, so that you're pleasantly surprised if your increases are higher. Um, and, and that's good because you know. There, inflation has been a big issue, right? But it, the numbers are starting to come down pretty rapidly in terms of have we seen likely peak inflationary numbers? So this is a good thing. And then if you look at somebody that, Rob, is you know, going to retire um, and take Social Security at age 70 and they've been working and their income has been above the Social Security wage base, which next year, by the way, is 160200 So we'll talk about that in a moment but the social security maximum payment now could be as much as $4,485 a month for the rest of somebody's life for higher income earners. So it's starting to be a you know pretty significant number again. Now there is, so that's the good news, right? So the people that are on social security are getting an 8.7% cost of living increase in their payments, but people that are still working, the social security wage base. So when you look at your paycheck, Social security is paid for by FICA. So if you're working for somebody, you pay 6.2%, they pay 6.2% of your pay into social security to fund the program. And I mean it seems like it was just under 100,000 not not too many years ago. It's been going up an average of 3,960 bucks a year, but now, so in in 2022 everybody's paying FICA on their on 147,000 of income. So if you're making above that, you're not paying FICA on anything above that number. But that number jumps to 160,200. Um so what that means is that if you're making over that amount, your taxes just went up by a little over 818 bucks, but if you're self-employed, paying both halves of that number, your taxes just went up by over 1600 bucks next year. So, you know, there's an offset there, right? Those that are retired getting a bump, but those that are working are going to pay FICA on more of their income. And we still have that overriding issue of, um, you know, what, how, how, how are more adjustments going to be made, Rob? Because at the current rate, the way that the plan works is that it's not like Social Security is going to be exhausted, but what happens is, is that by projected to be around 2034, there's going to be less money going into Social Security by those working versus coming out of Social Security because we have so many baby boomers turning 65 every day. And, um, and by law, the benefits have to be changed. And so what we're going to see throughout the next several years is we're going to be paying more FICA on more income. We're going to have retirement delays. You know, Maybe eventually it's just age 70 and when you get it. But until then, it's like, do you take it at retirement or do you wait until you're 70? That's the big question.
0: It's interesting because um, now, like I said, I'm starting to get closer to that age. And when you used to tell that story 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I'm like, ah, rich old people. It's their problem, not my problem. But now that's starting to get towards me and uh, putting myself into that kind of scenario and story for the record, everyone can go to ssa.gov, ssa.gov. I highly recommend you download your latest benefits so you can kind of start factoring into your head. And then when you work with a CFP like Chad Burton, he's going to say, Hey, can you get me that form anyway? Um, have you been to ssa.gov recently, Chad?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, I mean, cause you know, they used to send out paper statements, but they don't do that really anymore. So to to figure out what you're going to get or how to calculate what you're going to get and, and the earnings history, which we need to plug those numbers into our software to say what's the ultimate or optimal, rather, um, Social Security would draw age for you and your spouse. We need that earnings history. And I have seen a few cases in the you know, 28 years that I've been doing this where the earnings history is wrong or missing. Right. And, and so that's important to know, to go through and say, okay, what? Whoa, this number, there's this there's, there's a few years here missing where I'm not showing any income. That's not good. So... Uh, yeah, we need those numbers, and then we have software that we plug that number into, and it says, "Okay, do you take it at 62, your full retirement age, age 70? What do, what do you do versus your spouse?" I think the biggest thing that people need to remember when when they're married is that the it's important, even the even if the health of the higher earner is bad, it's often important for them to maximize their benefits. Because in a married couple, when one person passes away, the smaller check goes away and the survivor keeps the bigger check. And so we've had situations where, you know, let's say husband is the high income earner, but the health isn't great, may live till, you know, maybe 80, but still try to put off Social Security till 70 so that the benefits are maximized for the surviving spouse.
0: Does that come into play when? men remarry younger women the, the social security benefit issue of we've seen it it's societal right i'm not saying anything that's going to shock anyone what i'm about to say people get their kids to college they get the gray divorce the man remarries a younger woman how does the social security strategy change and i'm not asking for a friend or i'm not asking for myself And <laughs> did week week nudge, nudge. just checking well it's
2: um so who that In a married couple situation, who that mostly changes for is the lower income earner or the the one that has the least amount of Social Security benefits and whether or not they get remarried. Um, So it depends on how long you were married and you can still draw on your former spouses based on your former spouse's Social Security if you meet certain criteria Um, so it's, it gets a little bit complicated to go over, but it's really for the lower income situation versus the the higher income.
0: Real quick. And it has to be real quick. How about widows when the husband died early and he never even got to social security? Um, do they have like different financial scenarios that you have to you a CFP have to account for?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean you have to model that in. You know, how long are you going to take the widow benefit and versus when do you switch over to your own benefit? And how do you maximize your own benefit? If if your spouse passed away at an early age and um, you know, you kind of had to reset your overall financial plan, your retirement plan, how long are you gonna to have to work in order to make the plan
0: successful? Thanks and, very much. You know, that, it's yeah. CFP Chad Burton, you can find him online at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. Go to that website, sign up for the event, use the code social25 to get in for free.
1: Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth.
0: Retirement income and tax planning seminar coming up November 17, 630 to 830. For 20-plus years, you've heard me and CFP Chad Burton talk about New Focus Financial and now EP Wealth and our roles at the, uh, companies in particular. Um, I think of myself as more of a wealth accumulator in media. I think of Chad as more of a wealth manager in media, but he is a CFP, a certified financial planner. He has a podcast, New Focus on Wealth, with CFP Chad Burton available where you get your podcasts. Um, Chad, as regional director and as a certified financial planner, this event—anything that you're looking forward to? Talking about retirement income and tax planning. Any big changes since we did it last two years ago?
2: Well, I think you know the biggest change right now is people are seeing what I talk about all the time with you. What I've talked about with you, Andrea, yeah. since 1999, and that is the one of the big risks in retirement is this the sequence of stock market returns. And really, it's a sequence of returns in general because now it's even bonds. So I've preached, and you know, you get sick of it. I feel like I get sick of myself saying it, but you need three years worth of portfolio draws and cash at least five years prior to retirement, so that you can still retire when you go through down markets. And um when I, you know, got into the business, <clears throat> I was majoring in engineering and math. And so to me, it was just a a formula, right? You see, the stock market right now, I mean, is we're Doing the show, Rob. I mean, the SP 500 is down. What about uh, close to twenty percent for the year? About nineteen point eight percent, and that's that's pretty normal, right? When you get a twenty point eight
0: nine percent,
2: yeah. So um, these pullbacks are are fairly normal. I mean, we see these every few years. You tend to have a recession or some sort of a larger pullback of twenty to forty percent on every you know seven to ten years, somewhere around in there. And, and the market always comes roaring back at some point. Now, is it a V-shaped recovery like 2020? I doubt it. But will it recover? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the stock market, even if you look at the S and P 500 over the last three years with this decline, it's still up 20 point or 28.6 percent. So you you got to put those things in perspective. And um, you know, sometimes it takes a few months for the stock market to recover. Sometimes it takes two to three years. And that's that's fairly normal what's atypical is the bond market decline this has been the fastest interest rate increase that you know in in recent history and the worst bond market the bond market's almost down 16% for the year right now so if people were going into retirement fully invested in stocks and bonds without another place to withdraw from in order to be able to pay their expenses or actually stop drawing a paycheck then then they're altering their plans right now
0: it's interesting, like you said, that we're seeing it for the first time, what you've been talking about. This is going to be an interesting year, to say the least. Um, I just got an email from Flourish where you and I keep our, some of our cash our cash accounts. The first k in banking is now paying 3.75%. And in my head, I was like, have I ever seen this? And do I want to get more money in my cash? And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen rates that high. We tend to forget, right? Um, and then when we have to apply it to ourselves, it's like, oh, yeah, I should do that. It's almost eye opening.
2: Yeah, I mean that—that's—that's that's, you know accounts. Pe- this is what I keep talking to people about all the time. So your your cash in the bank should be earning some interest now, right? Right. So between Capital One, three hundred and sixty, to Marcus, to Flourish is kind of an accumulation of a bunch of different FDIC insured banks, um, and uh, that th- you have to kind of go through an advisor to get to Flourish. So, but a lot of options where you should be getting over three point two five percent on your cash now. You can get over four percent on six. You know, in twelve-month T-bills and Treasuries, and you can buy those at TreasuryDirect.gov or even your brokerage account. Um, I-bonds are, you know, going to be over six percent for the next six months if you buy them. And that, you know, if you buy directly Treasuries and things like I-bonds, like I-bonds are grow tax deferred, and when you cash them in there, you're not going to pay taxes at the state level. So there's some benefits there. So we're seeing the highest rates on short-term bonds since 2006 so one of the reasons why you're not expecting this v-shaped recovery in the stock market is because now there's competition in bonds now you can get you know over three and a half percent or so on california tax-free bonds which is equivalent to for some people close to a seven percent rate of
0: return that's pretty big that's let's let's focus on that for one more second tell people what a california municipal bond is a muni bond
2: yeah it's when you're owning they're owning lending money to essentially a a California government entity to and your interest. So you, you buy the bond, it's going to be, you know, a a period of time where until you get your money back that you've lent, but until then you're going to get a tax free coupon on a monthly basis, typically. And you can create a bond portfolio laddered say over one to 10 years where you're, you know, over 3.2 over 3.5% where you every year you have a certain number of bonds maturing that you can spend or reinvest and every month you get a tax free income payment. And so these are the again the highest rates that we've seen in a while. Um this is a, a it's kind of an interesting situation where if you own bond funds it's probably you know too late to sell and you shouldn't sell now you might be regretting that as kind of shorter term rates seem to be Close to peaking out, but longer term rates probably need to float up a little bit more. There's just a lot that needs to be looked at in terms of your bond portfolio, Rob. But there if, if somebody's coming into this situation right now with a lot of cash that has been on the sidelines or they've inherited or something, both stocks and bonds are great are presenting really good buying opportunities for the next six to twelve months.
0: That's interesting that you say that. Um as far as creating opportunities, do you try to Lock in safety at this point in time, or is it too late to lock in the safety of a bond? Because if you hold your bond, you're going to get the money back in theory. Mm-hmm. Do yep. you create a tax event? Do you create a transaction
2: when you hold your bond to maturity?
0: Um, more importantly, like at this point in time, should people be looking to rebalance everything that they have, or is it too late in the cycle of the last of twenty twenty two? Or 10 um, months into the year?
2: No, it's it's never too late. To, I mean, you, people need to okay. look at their all of their fixed income holdings together. And what's that portfolio look like? What's the duration, which is the interest rate sensitivity? How much do they have in shorter term versus longer term bonds? Um, Because right now, the yield curve is inverted where shorter term bonds are paying more than longer term bonds. So that will switch eventually. Um, either longer term rates have to go up or shorter term rates have to come down, but it'll it'll likely be kind of a, a combination. It could be shorter term rates slightly go up from here, but longer term rates go up quite a bit more. <laughs> so so if that's the scenario. You don't want longer dated bonds right now. It's, it's really, you know, what do you own? And then what is the interest rate sensitivity? And then if it's a, a lot of money in bond funds, is that a retail bond fund? Is that where a lot of investors own it in their 401ks and things like that, where look, if the bond manager knows if they can hold this bond that they currently own to maturity, even though it's dropped on paper value, their bond on paper has dropped in value because newer bonds are worth more. But if they hold it to maturity, they're going to get the money back. But if a whole bunch of people start selling their bond funds and they run out of, uh, you know, the they, they need to meet redemption. So they have to start selling bonds that they would have otherwise held to maturity and kind of locking in some losses. So that's what can happen in in bond funds. So if you, if you already own bond funds, it's fine. You know, I don't, I think it's most of the damage has been done here, but um, if you're coming in with brand new money and you're trying to put extra cash to work, then if, if you've got larger dollar amounts, it's typically over half a million, then buying individual bonds and creating a bond ladder is really attractive right now.
0: Here's a silly question, but I think it applies to many of us out there. Um, A lot of us are on second marriages. A lot of people come into the second marriage with some assets. I've always told women in particular on this show, keep your assets titled to yourself for as long as you feel comfortable. Don't commingle money. As a financial planner, um, because you may go to a third marriage is my thought. Um, As a financial planner, do you care if monies are commingled? Is it easier if they're commingled or do you want them separate? Any just gut reaction response to that?
2: Uh no, I, I don't care. In fact, part of our job is to teach people, even if they're currently married, that if they're inheriting money, um, you know, here what the risks are of commingling versus keeping that in a separate account and making sure that account is not funded with money while you're that you're earning while you're married. Um, I mean, it's part of our job to tell people that, okay, okay, you're here's a married couple. They're getting along great, but there's one of them is about to inherit money. You know, we have to educate that's our job. Um, when there's fewer accounts, it's easier to kind of model investing, but it's not that big of a deal with if there's several accounts because of separate property to model the financial plan. It's not that big of a deal. So I don't, I don't really have a preference except making sure that it's done based on the client wishes.
0: But it gives you more flexibility if there's like an IRA, a Roth IRA, a 401k, company stock options. Um, so it, it does give you some like creative opportunities to express your 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 math talents for sure. How about the scenario where um, my mom died 22 months ago, still haven't got the inheritance out of the, out of the, the cash out of the money. Um, you know what I did get though was a letter from someone in the financial world said, Hey, I see that you're getting an inheritance. Do you want an upfront loan? I was like, wow, even that information is, you know, if you get a DUI by Monday, the next week, um, your lawyers are, you know, sending you mail saying, Hey, I'll represent you. I'll represent you because it's a public record. I didn't know inheritances were such a public record thing.
2: One minute. Well, yeah, I mean, it, probate is, is kind of a public record, right? So that's why a lot of people want to have a living trust and make sure all of their assets are titled correctly into the trust so that, you know, that, that process is is much more private. Because if you just have a will, that's just a letter to the court saying, this is what I want to have happen when I die. And it goes through the courts. When you have a living trust, that's all done outside the courts, um, unless there's a conflict. So very important if you want privacy to have a living trust.
0: Exactly. That's what estate planning is all about. And uh, I had to send off an email to my brothers and sister and say, hey, that's a loan, guys. Don't take that. Wait for the money to come actually to you. Don't take it up front. Don't be that person. Big event coming up, Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar Thursday, November 17th, 30 Sign up at chadburton.com. Use code EVENT25.
1: For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
0: Let's bring in cfp chad burton we have a big event coming up you could listen to his podcast where you find podcasts check it out new focus on wealth with cfp chad burton today we're talking about some of the topics that are likely to come up hard in the seminar coming up on the 17th in the elks lodge in palo alto you can sign up for the event at chadburton.com um Chad, let's talk a little bit about some of the strategies that we're going to be needing to get the requirement minimum distributions and what do we need to know?
2: Well, yeah, the the whole withdrawal strategy thing is, you know, first of all, do you have account diversification? Is it everything just in a 401k that hasn't been taxed? Okay. Or do you have taxable accounts, cash, Roths, things like that? Um, because the best way to do a withdrawal strategy is it's very dynamic. It changes every year based on tax situation. Okay. And you got to have flexibility. You have a you know, certain amount of safe money in your IRAs, certain amount in your taxable accounts. All of it, though, Rob, starts with knowing what your expenses are. So as people start to get into retirement planning, their kids are typically now through college, so that the, all those expenses are, are gone. And then it's a matter of, okay, once I stop working, what am I going to do? And once you know your expenses, that includes your healthcare costs, so you have to be aware of Medicare Part B premium, supplemental insurance, and all that kind of stuff. The you you've got to do a first run and kind of your overall cash flow. How long is my money going to last based on what I have and what I'm going to draw on it? And will I have a lot left over to leave to my kids or do I barely have enough? And that'll let you know if should you be looking at IRA to Roth conversions for the first part of retirement so that you can start taking money out of your IRAs and 401ks at a very low bracket, switch it over to a Roth, which will grow tax-free forever, which will help your future. Tax planning. Okay. And a lot of that has to do with, okay, I've got what's my automatic income? Do I have a pension? When and how am I going to take Social Security? Because that's typically 85% of that is taxable for most people. Um, and do I have taxable accounts that I've invested in, like just mutual funds or stocks? How much dividends and interest are they kicking off and making sure that instead of reinvesting those, you start taking it to your checking account so that you can spend it? And once you have the expenses, minus those automatic sources of income, and you can add some rental income and things like that to it, if it's pretty dependable, you'll find out how much you're drawing from your accounts over and above that automatic income. Next step is making sure that three years worth of that is super safe. And the, you know, we're going through a market right now, which is why I always preach that for the last, you know, 20 plus years in radio with you um, because stocks and bonds can sometimes go down together. But you have a draw rate and you you have to run a few different scenarios. Okay, should I draw that out of my retirement accounts? Should I draw it out of my taxable accounts or blend it between the two? So, for example, Rob, if somebody has a lot of tax diversification, they got a lot of Roth, they got a bunch of money in a a regular taxable account that if they sell it, they just pay capital gains, and then they've got their IRA. You can actually, in some cases, stagger your income. So, if you have no other income, you're married finally jointly, you could take your standard deduction plus up to 80,800 in long term capital gains and US dividends and pay 0% federal tax. And so, you could do that one year and then maybe an IRA to Roth conversion in the next, for example. So, there's a lot of different strategies where you have to play with lending income and realize how capital gains work versus ordinary income taxes. And how do your required minimum distributions kick in at age 72? So the thing I really love about this business is that you know everybody's different. Plans are always different. There's just no cookie-cutter approach to this. That whole idea of uh, put off your IRAs and 401ks for as long as possible. And most of the time, that's kind of a mistake.
0: It's interesting that you bring that up because to me, it it's pointing out I'm going to need an advisor basically till the day I die, helping me um, figure out which accounts draw from some years I'm going to make more money. Some years I make less money. Some years I'm going to pay more taxes. And I just thought I was going to have a big nest egg. And I was just going to take a little bit of it here and a little bit of it there. My thought has evolved as I've gotten wealthier. And as I've gotten closer to retirement, I'm starting to see some of these issues that are that are not stressful, but a little, little cause for anxiety without a professional. Like I work with CFP, Brad, and um, I'm glad that he's on my team. So I'm thrilled that he's on my team, so to speak.
2: Yeah, this is the, you know, we we're running into holidays, but yet this is always the busiest time of year for CFPs because we're doing the the tax planning that needs to de- be done before year end where CPAs are typically telling you this is this is your tax bill and you should have done this. We're we're trying to do the should-haves before the end of the year, model this current tax situation, find out what capital gains distributions are being made on different funds that people might own in December. What's the tax situation and what's the opportunity especially now? If you can convert from an IRA to a Roth at a low bracket when the market is this low, you're going to be very, very happy five to 10 years from now that you did that.
0: Now, How about if you're someone who is like 35 who's listening to the show right now and they've been putting money in an IRA IRA for the last 10 years, should they be doing the conversions as well? Or is it more of a retirement planning tip and trick?
2: It's more of a retirement planning. So there's from the date of retirement to um, you know age... The age that you take Social Security, um, and or RMDs, which is seventy two. So there's kind of different phases of income planning and Roth conversion planning. Most of the people that I mean, next year the amount you can put into a four hundred one k when you're over fifty is thirty grand, and so you can funnel that between pre tax and Roth, Rob. So most younger people that are you know just starting their careers and things like that should be looking at the Roth four hundred one k. Give up the current tax break for if you're younger and at a low rate for Accumulating tax-free dollars in the Roth 401k, but if you're, you know, 55 and 60, and you're at your height of your earning career and you haven't saved enough, you need that tax deduction because you'll be able to convert to a Roth later.
0: Is there anything else that we need to know? We've got about a minute to plug the seminar and get out of the show.
2: Uh, well, I think that boy, a lot has changed. Whether or not even, <laughs> I just, that's that's a tough open any question, but. Uh, of course. Retirement planning is dynamic and you should be getting a lot of, you know, input from your advisor towards the end of every year on taxes, not just your investments.
0: Sounds good. It's CFP Chad Burton, he's a regional director with EP Wealth. I'm with EP Wealth on the marketing side. You can learn more about the event by going to chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. The event's November 17th in Palo Alto at the Elk Lodge. They have great parking. Um, Sign up for the event at chadburton.com and use code radio25, event25, or social25 to get in for free.
1: Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth Certified Financial Planners online at robblackshow.com.